The town of Weston was the victim of the city of Toronto, half consumed but not yet fully digested, still visible like a freshly swallowed frog inside the body of a snake. Not much happened in Weston that would register on the national news, but what happened in the world outside found its muffled way into Weston. Our high school principal, in a burst of newfound liberalism, now permitted jeans to be worn to school, and boys with long hair were no longer given the choice between a barbershop and suspension. But the small-town atmosphere lingered. Old-timers came out to watch the afternoon high school football games. Men of all ages wore shiny Weston Dodgers hockey coats in fall or winter. Any young man with a Saturday night date would be reasonably expected to spend a few hours in the afternoon cleaning and polishing his father's car, if he could get his hands on it. My own father believed that a car was like a bottle of liquor. It was a good thing to have, but the more you took from it, the less you would have left. This philosophy never stopped him from drinking quickly, but when it came to the family car, he believed every mile his sons drove would subtract from the total number of miles in its life. Other fathers seemed to think like ours. Father-son battles on driveways were common, especially in the new suburban part of Weston, where everything interesting was too far to walk to and teenagers needed a place to make out. The sock hop had died and the mosh pit was still waiting to be born. We were stepping hesitantly out of our Archie comic lives. There were still a few Bettys and Veronicas around, but the boys they were looking at were Bob Dylan and Frank Zappa. TV was our window into the world where the Vietnam War was happening, but so was the moronic comfort of Gilligan's Island, a television show so stupid as to achieve camp status. And in 1969, TV was our window to Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. In a burst of space enthusiasm, my classmate, Les, came to me that September with a book on rockets. It was the banner year of high school when the homeroom girls were all pretty and the boys were beginning to lose their awkwardness. We had just the right mix in our class of public school kids and Catholic school kids to feel comfortable and thrilled at the same time. Les was the first guy I knew with a steady girlfriend, red-haired Becky, who came from one of the important local families. Les's mother had divorced and remarried, which wasn't scandalous anymore, but still slightly racy and modern. He had Brillo-pad hair that would turn into the best afro I ever saw in a white man a few years later and he had enthusiasms that he carried around with him like germs. It would take just a little time with him before you were in the drama club or photography club or hustling girls outside our Weston hangout, the Central Restaurant. Les loved girls, and even though he had a steady, he considered it his right to flirt. He was amazingly successful at this and it paid off to be around him because it brought me into the dating game and into my first clash of the sexes. There were no women involved in our early rocket research. This consisted of studying a handbook on how to build one, with instructions on how to load the chemical engines in a kitchen sink while crouched down so that if the explosives went off, we'd lose nothing more than our hands. My mother was a chemist, 
but I didn't ask her about explosives because she knew too much. She might try to talk us out of it. Instead, Les and I walked twenty minutes to the bus stop, rode half an hour to the subway, then another half hour on the train to get to a hobby shop on Young Street. The shop was full of parts for electric trains, balsa wood to make kites and gliders, gasoline engine model planes that flew in circles off a long wire, and plastic model kits of warships and spitfires. We asked at the counter for chemicals to make rocket fuel. Are you nuts? The owner was a big, round man with eyeglasses and a cigar. We showed him our rocket-making book. Sure, I know that book. I even know the guy who wrote it. He's got a couple of lawsuits running against him after the explosions. All that material is illegal in Canada. Everything was illegal in Canada. A country that dis